calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hello, friends. It's me, Jenny, and also Kristen. Hello. Uh, we just wanted to mention a couple of things before we get started with the show today. Uh, those things are, uh, first of all, on December 18th, as we've mentioned previously, we will be doing our first live event ever. Yes, We're in celebration of the day after my birthday, in fact. In celebration of the day after <laughs> Kristen's birthday and in celebration of having completed the colossal task of making season one of Buffering the Vampire Slayer, we will be partying with you if you're around and you feel like it. We'll be at Union Hall in Brooklyn, New York on December 18th. And we want to let you know that you can get tickets at unionhallny.com. And you should do that because a third of the tickets have already sold. So I think they're going to go. I think we're going to sell out. So if you want to get on that, get on that. Uh, yeah, don't don't miss out. Don't miss out. We'll be playing through all the songs. We'll be doing some fun trivia. Scarecrow Fangs donated three pairs of custom fangs yes. as part of our prizes that we'll have. So it's going to be really, really fun. We hope you can join us. And we want to let you know that the Buffering the Vampire Slayer store is open for business. We are selling um, the Buffering the Vampire Slayer t-shirt with the logo by Christine Tuna. Uh, we also have enamel pins. There's a Slayerette pin and a Cordette pin. You can choose or you can get the pin pack uh, if, like me, you just want both of them. Mm -hmm. um, and you can go on over and check all of that out at bit.ly slash shop buffering. Um, the pins were designed by our very own Kate Leth, who you know as our Buffy fashion watch uh, correspondent. So we're very thankful to have those pins. And uh, tis the season. Tis the season for giving, as we all know, to others, but also to yourself. Yeah. So get on in there. And now that you know everything, without further ado, let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to another episode of Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we're watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And this week, we are talking about Season 1, Episode 10, Nightmares. Stay tuned at the end of this episode and every episode for an original song written by us recapping the Buffy episode we're discussing. Nightmares features a story by Joss Whedon, a teleplay by David Greenwald, and direction from Bruce Seth Green, who is not Seth Green, but rather Bruce Seth Green, a whole different guy. <laughs> it originally aired on May 12th, 1997. And in case you're wondering what this episode was about if you're an avid watcher but just need a little prompt, this is the one where Buffy and her friends discover that their worst nightmares have become reality. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and before we get into the episode, um, we wanted to give a couple of shout outs. Uh, Jenny, I know you have one. Yeah. Long distance dedication. <laughs> Karen is shouting out Carter to say thanks for introducing her to the best show and the best podcast. 
What Thanks, a good boyfriend. Karen and Carter. What a good boyfriend. Mm. You know? If only we all had boyfriends like that. If only. I do. I have a boyfriend like that. I have no boyfriend. <laughs> Who is your boyfriend? Oh, you. I was talking We're about you. We're allowed to have boy... Oh. <laughs> My boyfriend, Jenny Owen Young, <laughs> uh, introduced me to Buffy as well. Um, and uh, speaking of being introduced to Buffy, um, our very good friend, May Rude, uh, texted me just today, just this very day, um, saying that she could not believe that she was loving the show as much as she loved it, that she had spoken to a friend of hers and said, well, you know, I, I listen to the podcast and I'm watching it because I like Jenny and Kristen, but all through season one, she was like, I don't, I just don't, I don't 100% get uh-huh. So she, but she has gotten past us. She's in season two and she's falling and she is falling hard. Yes. And it occurred to me to bring this up because that was my experience too. Uh-huh. Did not expect to enjoy the show and then fell hard. So if, if there are those of you out there that are watching with us and you're like, I mean, it's good. You know, I, I Jenny and Kristen are definitely the best. The show is good. <laughs> I just want to, you know, forewarn you here. You're about to you're about to fall head over heels. Great things are on the horizon they for really, you. They really, really are. Um, also, last week we could not figure out uh, who to give the sexual tension award to. Mm-hmm. We thought and we thought, we hemmed and we hawed, and one of our listeners, Kaylee Beth, is uh, this person's Twitter name. Really nailed it and said that, you know, I think that the Sexual Tension Award this week um, for the puppet show goes to Cordelia loving Cordelia. <laughs> and I, it made me so happy. Thank I'm you. So right on. Thank you, Kaylee Beth, or perhaps Beth Kaylee, um, for that beautiful analysis. So it, retroactively, we agree with you. We are giving the Sexual Tension Award to Cordelia on Cordelia. Congratulations, Cordelia's. Gosh, probably a fanfic genre that exists. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Cordelia on Cordelia, right? Mm -hmm. Great. Anyhow, moving right along. Now we can start talking about this episode, which you loved. I loved. The whole time, so, you know, many of you know this already, but I haven't seen season one. Um, I have not. This is the first time I'm watching through season one. I've seen all the other seasons and love them. And every time we talked about this episode, like when we were like, oh, you know, what? what's next or what's coming, what's down the pipeline, Jenny would talk about, like sort of dismiss this, you know, like, oh, nightmares, like kind of eye roll. And so I watched this episode thinking like, I don't know that we were going to maybe see another The Pack. Not to, you know, not to get too upset about the pack, but, like, it was a silly – there was a lot of silly stuff in it. Yeah. I finished this episode and was like, are you kidding me? This is, I think, next to Angel in season one, this is my second favorite episode because I feel like it goes so deep. Like – It does. You know, this show, the reason that we're even talking about this, like, season one and how you really start to fall in seasons two, three, four, you're getting deeper and deeper is because it's such a character-driven show. And the more we crack open these characters and learn what makes them tick – um, I think the more, you know, attached we all get. And so that's why I love this episode because it really uses this whole th- – the whole theme of this is us finding out what these characters' biggest fears are. And and there's a moment down in the lair, the master's lair. Is that what we call it? Is there a word for it? Yeah, let's just call it the lair. The, the lair. Um, where and – and I'm skipping ahead a little. We'll go back to, to pre-credits. But um, the master says, we are defined by the things we fear. Uh-huh. I mean, he lays it right out for us. And so I, you know, general note from me, I I love this. And I'm going to talk all throughout this episode of why I'm so attached to this episode and and how I feel about all of their fears. I thought they were so beautifully done. Yeah. Um, But anyhow, (laughs) the episode starts. And... I, this is another reason why I love this episode. Mm. You've you've heard me talk before about my love for Wes Craven. Out of all the episodes, this is the closest one that I've seen to using a lot of those same vehicles for horror. I mean, it's called for Nightmares, sure. you guys. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's right there. It's about your nightmares coming true, which is exactly the entire core plot line, uh, <laughs> you know, give or take, uh, for Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. Um so I'll talk about that more in a bit because I've been I've been rambling. Jenny, tell tell me what you think. What do I think? Well, I mean, I agree with you across the board as far as like I really appreciate 
the development we get in this episode, it's not the most enjoyable to watch for me. It feels a little um, clunky, like a little... I don't know. Fits and starts. It it feel it doesn't feel like the most cohesive mm-hmm. episode to me. But I really appreciate um, what you were highlighting that like what we learn about uh, the various characters and and what their fears sort of serve to tell us about them. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Sort of, I'm loving it for its character development and, and your... for its West Cravenness too. and for its West Cravenness, right? Which is also great. Um, yeah, because you know. In Nightmare on Elm Street, if you're not familiar with sort of the the arc, Freddy Krueger is the villain who can get you only in your dreams. Um, and so this episode differs a bit from that because they are awake and their dreams are happening. Mm-hmm. But as I said to Jenny, if you're an avid fan like me, you know that in Nightmare on Elm Street 5, um, I believe it's the fifth one. Is that right? Yeah. Um in the fifth one, the character Alice is pregnant and her baby, anytime her baby falls asleep um, and dreams, Freddy can get to her. So the whole thing is a waking nightmare. They don't mm-hmm. have to be asleep for the mm-hmm. first time in that series of, of films. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I love that. And, and there's, you know, and we'll get to some of the other like Wes Craveny bits, but in the very first opening scene where Buffy is walking into like the lair. And her shadows being cast. Yes. And there's the dripping water sound. Mm-hmm. Um, candles and there's, everywhere. Yeah. Candles everywhere. And there's also pian- like a, a piano note uh, situation. Like, can you tell I'm not the musician between the two of us? Yeah. A piano note like, situation. There's a little like synth playing a melodic figure that yeah. is very Craven-esque. Right. It's not the dun, 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 but it's close. I don't know what <laughs> yeah. you did. What did I, you well, do? I was trying to sing an approximation of what actually happens and you were singing oh, I was the <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street theme <laughs> See, and we gave they you, didn't work together. We gave you a side out. by side. Yeah. Uh, enjoy. <laughs> um... But yeah, and then before we even get to the credits, we um, we crack open uh, Buffy's backstory here with her dad. We haven't heard mention of her dad. Yeah, we don't know anything about Hank Summers, and now we know that he is not around, uh, yeah. still in L.A., and she sees him sometimes on the weekends, but she doesn't feel particularly secure in their relationship. Right, right. And yeah, we learn... Willow Willow asks all the questions that... Willow plays us in this scene where well, she's asking right. Buffy all the questions <laughs> we want to know. So how do you feel about your parents' divorce, Buffy? Yeah. <laughs> do you talk how to your dad? How did it happen? Yeah. How frequently do you see your father? <laughs> so thank you, Willow. I asking. have a question. Why yeah. is Joyce still keeping the last name Summers? Is it a matter of convenience? Oh, good question. I mean, I guess the 90s was a time where you would be maybe a little more likely to just leave your name whatever. Ooh, and like what is Joyce's maiden name? We should look into we that. Should, we should, yeah, do we know, that's a that's a key piece of Buffy trivia if it, if it even <laughs> exists if we ever, if we ever find out. Um, and then of course we, we get Cordelia, beautiful Cordelia um, in her first moment with us in this episode. Uh, <laughs> yes. Willow asks why, she, why is she so Evita-like? <laughs> Which, I mean, which was really, I mean, it was set up pretty Evita, like she's, you know, looking at herself in the mirror. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then and Wendell got in her light. Wendell got in her light. And then what Wendell. What an idiot. Yeah. What an idiot. And he gets his when he opens his textbook. And there's spiders everywhere, including his face. Yeah. The first thing that I said, the first viewing of this was, if anyone offered me an acting job and this was part of the description, it would be a hard no. I don't know that there's an amount of money that you could give me to have me have like a spider crawl across my face. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I mean That's a deal breaker for sure. I'm the spider catcher of the family and I do. I'm a catch and release. My my philosophy is catch and release. Um but I, and I can do management. that. I've I've done it for pretty big spiders. I can get them in the cup and then I get something underneath the cup. I take them outside. I talk to them the whole time so that they don't panic too much. I tell them there's going to be a cup and as long as you behave, it's just <laughs> going to go around your body and everything's going to be fine. You're going to be outside before you know it. So I have that element of bravery in me, but um, not enough to have any kind of spider walk on my arm. Maybe a daddy long leg. No. Maybe. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not as threatened by daddy long legs. Anyhow, I think you should be. Really? You're Jenny's very offended by They're just uh you know what's offensive about a daddy long like they're um bodies the the body to leg heft ratio. 
is just so wrong. Like, because the leg is so long and the body is so small. But the but, the leg is so long and the body is so small proportionate to that. And then also, <laughs> the body is so thick and the leg is so thin. Like dense, you mean? Yeah. Or you mean actual width? No, I mean actual width. Actual width. Yeah. The, if mean, you look at the thickness of a daddy long leg body and compare it to the thickness of a daddy long leg leg... Leg, I don't know why you're not horrified. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think because I think because when I was a kid, they were always the spiders that everybody said were harmless. So I was like, oh, these ones can't get you. Well, they, they're they harmless because their fangs can't penetrate our skin, but they actually have, I think, uh, one of the most poisonous of venoms. Right, but they can't get, they can't but get me. But what if they're working on something? What if they're sharpening their fangs? They've yeah. been sharpening their fangs this whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, um, I have a question for for everyone. Mm. Um, after the credits p- uh, play, we go back to the master's lair. This is where that line is about um, we are defined by the things we fear. And a question I have, mm. um, apart from you know this this good commentary on fear, is who do we think does the master's manicures? <laughs> I would like to know. He has a perfect manicure. Every nail is shaped. Just so. They are not just like jagged and gro- grown out. They are definitely filed and buffed yeah. the whole nine. Well, do you think the um, the kid is doing it? I don't know. I mean, it, I don't know. Do you think that was like part of a prerequisite? They were like, <laughs> he needs a voice box and right, also right. a nail file, and then he can come and serve the master. Yes. <laughs> the thing they do with his voice I, is the worst. It is the worst because, you know, in, in the horror genre, children are definitely already very well established as creepy as fuck. I mean, yeah, that kid is plenty creepy. You don't need to change that kid's voice. Give him a regular little kid voice. Put him in a lair. Guess what? fucking creepy yeah i would argue that's much creepier than the voice that kind of is like taking you out of your viewing experience yeah so yeah so so we stumble we stumble into the land of nightmares now um we don't really learn exactly what's happening um actually you want to know as my first viewing the first time that buffy looks up and sees the kid the um what's his name the one billy. that's in the billy the first time she saw billy i thought it was the anointed because they're like right they could be brothers they're the same age they've kind of got like the same hairstyle mm-hmm, um i mm-hmm. came to really appreciate and love billy in a way that i'm sure i will never for the anointed but um but yeah, I was I was like, oh, the anointed's like up doing some magic. But no, it was it was Billy. <laughs> it was what is he? Lucky number nineteen. Is that what it's uh Lucky nineteen. Lucky nineteen. Uh before we before we hop up into the school though, I just want to yeah. also mention something that is said in the master's lair when he's doing his little fear monologue, mm-hmm. is that he also says, If I can face my fear, it cannot master me. And he mm. says this while he's talking about how fear and pain are both, uh, you know, essentially inside of your head. And if you can master your own mind, then you can be a vampire and touch a cross and watch your hand smoke and not be stressed out about it. And this comes into play later, mm. which is why I wanted to mention it. Yeah. Do you want to talk about when it comes into play later? Or do you want to wait and keep them all in suspense? <laughs> well, hopefully they've already watched the episode. So I'll just say <laughs> yeah. uh, that at the end of the episode, when we see people start to actually face their fears uh, they become free of them we see xander punch the clown in the face Mm -hmm. we see buffy realize that like although she would never want to be a vampire in this particular instance having vampire strength and abilities is going to be an asset to her in facing that very scary large man right uh and we see billy you know step forward and unmask his attacker yeah actually and um in the watcher's guide one of the notes that i found interesting because i did make a note that you know xander xander really is like the one that they besides billy um that really like very overtly faces his fear he turns Mm -hmm. around he comes back to the clown um which i'm convinced i looked and looked and looked this clown that Xander is afraid of, I am convinced that Xander is doing that laugh. That Not Xander, uh-huh. but <laughs> Nicholas Brendan. It sounds just like the voice that he did for Sid mm. uh, in the previous episode, but I couldn't find anything on, like, who did that laugh. But I swear it, I swear it sounds like him. Um, but anyhow, <laughs> he, he knocks out the clown. And in the, in the Watcher's Guide, they sort of n- mark this as Xander's uh, transition from nerd 
to hero, like that this is a moment when his character takes this big step um, past just being the like, I don't know what to do, blah, and -hmm. says like, no, I've got this. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm doing this for myself. Um, I have to do this for myself. And and he does. Yeah. So – that was we did skip we did skip ahead, but um, I found that very interesting, and that's I mean that's really why I love this episode is because and their fears. I mean, when Buffy has her nightmare about her dad saying that she is not worthy of his love, essentially. and also the reason that her parents the, got divorced, right? The reason they got divorced that weekends with her are not important, uh-huh, uh-huh. that she is you know sullen, and her her. She has a little nightmare crossover here because one of the things he says is that she's not as bright as he thought she would be. Mm. Like, this is the, you know, these are the things that we are made of, truly. Like, these are the things that <laughs> that cause our, um, or that create our personalities and the way that we act and the way we behave are the things that we fear. Not to give all this credit to the master, but I really believe this. I, I believe that a lot of the things that we're afraid of um, impact how we act in the world and also impact how we see other people in the world um mm. and so i i love this i love that it wasn't all i i do love cordelia's nightmare <laughs> and we're going to talk about that and i love some of the more like if you want to call them superficial maybe they're not even but the more superficial nightmares i love but i love that they that they dug deep for buffy here in a lot of ways but in yeah. this um in this particular aspect and you know i don't uh, my parents are um still married so i never went through having parents go go through a divorce and and you know dealing with all of that as a kid but Jenny you have and I don't know if you're comfortable talking about it but I'm curious as to like watching this if if you had any of these fears Yeah yeah I've never really related to this uh storyline that we see in a lot of shows and and books where a a kid is you know fears that they're responsible in some way for their parents divorce i never really had uh, a connection to that you were small fear. right yeah i was super small so i was just like going with the flow I right think. right maybe had less time to sort of understand what they were as a unit yeah exactly mm-hmm. um something that i do want to mention though while we're thinking about buffy and her dad here and this little interaction that they have in the nightmare version of sunnydale uh is that um, I think this is the first time we really see Sarah Michelle Gellar cry mm, yeah. on the show. I think this is the first real heavy emotional moment that we see her have. And I just want to let you all know, spoiler alert, uh, you're going to get to see Sarah Michelle Gellar cry a whole bunch more. <laughs> and she's so good at it. <sighs> yeah, she, is she is a really master good. crier. You know who's a master crier? Uh, who I just thought of when you were talking about being so good at crying as an actor is, and I can't think of his name, but the the guy that was on Party of Five and also Lost. Um, oh, uh, he plays Jack. Is it Jack? Uh, Matthew Fox. Matthew Fox. He is one of the most brilliant criers I think that I've ever seen. Especially, I'm thinking of episodes of Lost where, I, like, he's a, he mm-hmm. cries in a way that can make me cry just by seeing him cry. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no. But I agree. Sarah Michelle Gellar is also. Quite you know what really gets me when I see uh, male actors crying where they're like not necessarily uh, – they don't necessarily have tears coming out of their eyes, but they like – their mouths like open in this like – like they're in terrible physical pain that they like can't – and they kind of like hunch into themselves. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. they just want to like create a black hole at the center of themselves and, right, and right, right. disappear into it. And that's when we get our little mug out that says male tears and we collect them. <laughs> and then we drink them. The future drinking. Under the light of the full moon. Wah, the patriarchy. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the patriarchy. Oh, just ducking its head in to say hello to all of you listeners. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and that was that was an unexpected patriarchy too, because I had some other places. But what are you gonna do? <laughs> sometimes it just sometimes it just sneaks up on you. Sometimes you choose the patriarchy, and sometimes the patriarchy chooses you. Oh, so well said, Jennifer. Thank you. Um, so uh, something that I want to talk about because we're we're there's so many nightmares, right? There's so many different oh, yeah. aspects of nightmares to talk about, and I love Giles nightmare like I oh my god I love that his nightmare is that he gets lost in the stacks and he can't read it's Mm -hmm. and he's so I mean Anthony Stewart head is a brilliant actor so great and he I mean he's brilliant in this episode because 
he is on edge. Like he's just so on edge the entire time. And it's because he's lost like he's lost his his ability to contribute. Yes. His whole power. Like Giles' power is his ability to read words, to process that information and to use it to lift up the Scooby gang. And yeah. he it's so sad because he he doesn't even tell them. For, uh, until he has to, until he has to tell Buffy, he like keeps it a secret because he, uh, you know, and and it's like it hinders him too because the fact that he can't own up to like this thing is happening, I think delays their discovery of what's right, right. going on because mm-hmm. um, he's just so embarrassed and so um, out of sorts with with not being able, you know, with like looking at these words and saying like they just don't make sense to me. Yeah, it's heartbreaking, Giles. Yeah. Also, I just want to say that the night before we watched this episode, mm-hmm. I had a very a dream that felt very long. I don't know how long it actually went on for, but it, it felt like it went on for about three hours. And the, the plot of the dream was just that someone had hired me to write a song for their wedding. I was at their wedding preparing to go perform the song I had written for their wedding, and I couldn't find the paper on which I had written the lyrics and the chords and I didn't have them memorized and I had a million, I was just surrounded by notebooks and I was also surrounded by people who wouldn't stop talking to me. (laughs) So I was alternating between like frantically flipping through various pages of various notebooks and asking people to please shut up. Wow. Um, And this went on for what felt like a few hours and then I woke up and then we watched this episode and oh I was my like gosh. Jesus yeah that was like a combination of Willow and Giles's nightmare you know the like performance anxiety coupled with the not being able to get the information you needed yeah I frequently have that's like my my recurring um nightmares has something to do with like performance and and also you know um some kind of task that needs to be completed like mm. like a lot of the time I'll be trying to get dressed to go on stage mm-hmm. and every time I put a shirt on the color of my pants changes <laughs> So I just have to That's keep amazing. I've never changing. known that nightmare of yours. Yeah, it's very, it's so very sp- frustrating. It's so specific. Yeah. It's not like like the shirt rips or something. It's like the, no, they the just outfit don't match. In total has changed wow. somehow. Wow. It's very yeah, frustrating. I don't I'm a person who's never really remembered many of my dreams. Um I don't you know, I often wake up and like I know that I've been dreaming, but I can't remember what it was. Mm. Um, but I had horrible nightmares as a kid. Um, I mean, I had a recurring nightmare about this man who was like, it was before the movie Powder came out, but he was like covered in white powder. Um, and he, he was, yeah, and he wasn't wearing, and he never wore any clothes, but he also didn't have any like genitalia really like he was just kind of like a. I mean like, I was like a kid a so he was like a, yeah he was like a Ken doll he was my understanding of what a body looked like cough cough better education for our children cough cough <laughs> um but anyhow yeah and he would um I would sort of be in different places and I would like know that he was there somewhere um and then and then I would see him and I would wake up like screaming terrified it was really really scary mm. um but I don't and and I think now as an adult when I have nightmares they're more of that vein like I don't have a lot of nightmares where like I forgot to put any clothes on and I'm in front of an audience or I you know can't get this or that done it's much more like something bad is coming and I know it's coming and I can't get away from it like horror more horror more monster yeah yeah that sounds refreshing no oh it's not (laughs) at least in that scenario it's like well yeah there's a terrible thing and I'm responding I'm responding accordingly it's not like Right. It's, Logic is uh, has no meaning here. Right. I guess that's Even true. Even though something should be right in front of me, it's not, and I can't make it so. And I, I used to have, I will say, I used to have nightmares when I waited tables. Um, I would fall asleep and be like, I've never brought the ketchup to table 14. And like, <laughs> it would be like, I'd wake up in like a panic and have to kind of talk myself down. You're in bed. You did bring the ketchup to table 14. Everything's okay. The restaurant's <laughs> closed now. Um, so, so, yeah, that was the other nightmare that I can remember the most. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, and before we before we leave Giles totally behind, I just want to give a shout-out to Giles' first entrance. <laughs> I love it so much. Like, I want to watch it over and over and over again. He comes out of the behind the stacks, and he's, like, just completely dazed and confused. Yeah, you know, yeah. just totally out of sorts. And I loved it, and I laughed both times. Yeah, great uh, job. Fantastic job. 
Um, so then, yeah, we have so many other characters with nightmares here. We talked about Wendell and his spiders. Wendell, I just want to say, because we learn, right, that Wendell, that's, Wendell's like the key to unlocking um, what's going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because he describes to them, to Buffy, Xander, and Willow, that, oh, I've had this dream. Yeah, yeah. Forever. And we find out why he's had this dream. <laughs> and the story is really intense. Like, he's really, my, my actual note is Wendell is bent over these spiders. <laughs> <laughs> he's just he's so he's so upset like I don't know where I, I picture his brother like tied up in a closet somewhere like you know what I mean he's just oh yeah he's so upset that these spiders have been killed and like I do understand it to a level but but like remember how his collection included black widows yes yeah, gross. gross 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 and now he thinks the spiders are gonna come back and get him it's just there's a little bit more going on with the character of Wendell we hope Wendell gets the help he I needs do. I really do um oh so cordelia um <laughs> my uh, one of my many uh notes on cordelia is cordelia's period fucking period scarf period valid oh my god um i have a feeling that the one and only kate leth is going to touch upon cordelia's scarf so before we talk about cordelia anymore why don't we talk to kate leth yeah let's hear it it's time for our friend kate Welcome back to Buffy Fashion Watch. Um, In the last couple of episodes, I've gone off on these tangents and they're really fun, but this app has so many looks that there just isn't time. Okay, to get it out of the way, Buffy spends a lot of this show, not just this season, but the entire show, perpetuating the myth that people wear bras to bed. I I know it's a TV show and I mean, I get it, but people just don't do that, okay? Okay. Anyway, she redeems herself uh, once we get to school because she wears these rings I'm totally in love with. They are giant pink plastic hearts that blink like they have little LED lights inside of them. They're amazing. I never noticed them before, but I love them so much. And also later in this episode, she wears my favorite color on her, baby blue. She looks so good, even when she's getting her heart broken. She's beautiful. It's perfect. Um, But okay, let's stop wasting time and talk about what really matters in this episode, which is Cordelia. When she's talking to Buffy before history class, which apparently Buffy has never attended, whatever, that's fine. She wears my favorite thing I've seen on her, maybe this entire season, maybe in the show. I don't know. I don't want to go that far. She did not have crimped hair. Anyway, she has stretchy pink pants in a fabric I cannot identify, but I respect it. She has a light pink cardigan wrapped around her waist, a different shade of pink. You know, she doesn't want to wear too much of the same thing. A top that's floral. It's it's sort of a dark, I think maybe blackish, uh, with pink. And the, the highlights and lowlights in the roses on the top match both the cardigan and her pants. She has a sheer pink neckerchief. It's really good, very 50s. Um, and a fuzzy black ponytail holder. Not only that, but she also has a clear plastic school bag. Very 90s, very respectable. It is just so good. It's impeccable. Everything matches without being matchy-matchy. It's just so well done. It's like somebody drew it, you know? I, I love it. And it's great because, of course, it plays in contrast to her nightmare, which is that she dresses like a dork. And it's perfect because when it starts, you know, her hair is crazy and she's lost her, her fuzzy um, ponytail holder and instead has these tiny plastic baby duck hair clips. I mean, can you even imagine her ever choosing to wear that? No. And then it evolves over time um, when she's being dragged by the nerds who are, of course, identified by sweater vests and plaid pants in this outfit that is absolutely um, Gilda Radner. It's this look that I feel like she wore all the time in the era of Saturday Night Live. And it's not Cordelia, but I kind of love it. It it doesn't match her and I wouldn't want her to wear it in any other circumstance, but I definitely don't think it's as terrible as Cordy thinks it is. It's this calf length hospital green skirt with a belted silk blouse that has a big necktie and it's ridiculous, but I I really love Gilda Radner. So um, I think it's fine. Also in this episode, Giles wears what I think must be one of his 450, maybe 500 uh, paisley scarves. They look really great. Until next time, I'll see you at the mall. That was our friend Kate. She gave you the Buffy fashion update. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. 
And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Okay, so yes, Cordy, great job with the scarf. Um, this is, I mean, this is a really killer outfit for her. Um, and I love, I love her positioning in this, in this moment too with Buffy. She comes out and she's like, hey, Buffy, did you remember that we have a test today? And she's been to every class. She's got her textbook under her arm. She's 100,000% uh-huh. prepared for her history test. Oh, yeah. Um, and of course, Buffy is not. Buffy is not. And it's like this, another this is a stressful thing for me to watch. I was going to say, like, this I think is a common nightmare um, mm-hmm. of, of being not prepared for your test because it's the anxiety of being a student. It's very stressful to be a student in high school. It was very, I mean, my high school was very stressful. There was oh, yeah. a large amount of work and a large amount of things that you had to remember and, and like a pretty big amount of pressure because all of that work is being scrutinized to determine the rest of your life. Yeah. You, know? you need to kind of chill out on kids, you know? Honestly. Like, come on. It's not helpful to your development. No. Let's let them, like, make some ceramics, for God's sakes. <laughs> for God's sakes, by the way. Is that your, is that your platform for, for, uh, for your presidential campaign? Yes. Let them let make ceramics. 2024, let them make ceramics. <laughs> I think I'll do quite well. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward um, to that. But, yeah, and, and so we're, we've skipped all around, but uh, sequentially, at least after this um, – history test nightmare we get to the the part in this that is like i looked at jenny and was like this is west craven this is like you could lay over a scene from nightmare on elm street to this scene with laura oh yeah who, who says i'm gonna go downstairs for a smoke break she actually doesn't say the word smoke she mimes <laughs> she mimes <laughs> the, the cigarette so that nobody will hear her that she's going down into the basement and and what a creepy basement. Well, it's, it's the a, first time we're seeing the school basement, it's right? A, yes, it's the first time we're seeing the school basement. And it's not just a basement. It's a it's a boiler room. Oh, yeah. Because there are open... And I don't even... Listen, I've never even seen a boiler room that has open flames. I just know from watching Freddy Krueger that boiler rooms can have open flames. Uh-huh, and so uh-huh. I assume that that's what's going on here in this uh, school basement. But, like, she goes down there to smoke... 
It's super creepy, super West Craveny, super Nightmare on Elm Street. And then I saw those flames and was like, come on. Yeah. That's a huge, I mean, flames and the boiler room. That's The boiler room is Freddy's like centralized location that that is you know where he spends a good amount of his time uh it's where he it's it's where he died that's how you know that's how the character of freddy krueger gets killed before he haunts everybody in their nightmares um so sorry i and i and i googled and looked because i i really wanted to find like a joss whedon quote that was like and when when we did nightmares we of course pulled upon x (laughs) y and z but when you Google Joss Whedon and Wes Craven, the majority of what you find has to do with Cabin in the Woods. Um, yeah. So we, we got to read a lot of fun stuff about that, but we didn't find anything directly connected to this. But I know, Joss, one day I will get to ask you your real person self. Wow. I will say, okay, can we just talk about nightmares for one hot second? And you will say, of course, Kristen, you're so smart. And that had everything to do with Nightmare on Elm Street. Kristen is very ambitious. Yeah, Jenny is convinced that we won't have Joss Whedon on our show, and I am 100% convinced that we will have Joss Whedon on our show. Why wouldn't he want to be on our show, Jenny? It's such a good show. <laughs> okay. It's, we're, we're paying such <laughs> homage, such incredible homage to this brilliant work that he's created. Uh-huh, uh-huh. There's going to be the, – the reason why I think he's going to come on the show is because not only will we have this podcast, but by the time we're rounding the bend of like season four, season five, we're going to have a volume of music that oh, tells yeah. the story that he created oh, yeah. mm-hmm. in song, which like I don't want to I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth or feelings in their hearts or anything. But if I had created something that was very dear to me, and someone had put that much love and effort into kind of like re like breathing life into that work again through music, I would be super into it. And so I think I don't know. Place your bets, everyone. Place yes, your bets. Place your we bets. should we should have like a um. You know when they do the uh, Super Bowl, when you like gamble on the Super Bowl, and there's a grid with like score, you know, zero through nine, and then zero through nine, and uh-huh, uh-huh. this, you know, the ending scores of each quarter is how you win. We should do that, but have people choose what season and episode we they think we will have Joss Whedon on the show oh or none at all, and then we'll have it's illegal to gamble, so we'll just put imaginary money in a pot and we'll uh-huh, see who wins. Uh-huh. Fake money, just like a hedge fund. <laughs> Um, so down into the boiler room we go, yes. where Laura goes, I should say. And it's important to note here, uh, for me anyway, that yet another smoking kills, anti-smoking uh-huh. propaganda poster is hung up on the wall in the boiler room for some reason. Yeah, because they, they know. Because they know that this is probably where students go to smoke. Right. Oh, I, Wink, wink, point. nod, nod. Mm-hmm. Teachers always know what students are doing. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 97, which I feel like the 90s were a big, 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 big anti-smoking time, big anti-smoking time and big anti-drug time. I mean, the yeah. early 90s was, you know, when when we had all those, this is your brain with the egg. Oh and then God. this is your brain on drugs right, where the egg would hit, hit the frying pan. Mm-hmm. And then that horrific commercial where the girl is on the diving board. And she, do you remember this commercial? Oh, and she like dives into the empty pool. The yes. pool that's revealed to be empty. The pool that they reveal had no water in it. That was kind of effective. I mean, I did a little bit of drugs, but I did probably less drugs. <laughs> I did a little bit of drugs. I did. Kristen Russo, whose presidential campaign just, just hit, <laughs> hit the ground before it got off. It didn't even get one step. Um, but, sir, I, but I do Let feel them it. make ceramics, and I did a bit of drugs. <laughs> I'm off to a good start. Hey, I'm off to a better fucking start than a lot of people. Mm. Um, so we see what the person, the thing, the the entity that comes to be known as the ugly man emerge from the shadows and attack Laura. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say, not a misnomer. No, he is ugly. He's a right-on gnomer. Ugly. And, and ugly I love man. this villain. I love that he has this, like, arm that is also, like, a bat. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not explicitly a baseball bat but i feel like just based on the the way that the story develops yeah that it's kind of understand right exactly yeah um yeah i love i love this villain and he's very like slow and methodic in his approach that he's very um uh, michael myers he's very he's a very michael myers villain where you're like hurry you're not in a hurry because he's just gonna get you with his brute strength um So we cut to Laura then in the hospital and Buffy and Giles are going to ask her questions. Laura totally nonplussed the uh, concept of the school librarian and one of her fellow students (laughs) there to question her about what happened (laughs) in the boiler room. (laughs) 
What? Uh, yeah, that's that's a bit bizarre. But I mean, to give Laura credit, she has just been knocked around. She's been concussed. So she has she has been concussed. Bless, bless her head. Um. Yeah, and so right. So we learn um a little bit more about what's or they learn, I should say, a little bit more about what's happened in the. In the basement of the school, they're starting to piece it together. Then um, they talk to the doctor, who is also, I think, uncharacteristically for a doctor, forthcoming yeah, well, with what's the information. F- what's funny is he says, are you family? Or- and they're like, no. And he's like, great, here's, here's her history. Information. Here's her medical history. And here's the medical history of this child. Who's that, in a coma. Who's in a coma. You're welcome. You didn't even ask about. Yeah. Um, but the doctor is, the do- doctor's emotionally distraught because this this person is on the loose. Who's yeah. And he knows he needs to help move the narrative of the arc along. Yeah. You know, we never really get, I, I don't think anyway, like a good look inside of the medical uh, profession in Sunnydale. But they all—they have to have pretty interesting stories, you know, working yeah. in a hospital. We've already been to the hospital so many times. Yeah, um, yeah. And we'll we be- see, actually, we'll see down the line some behind-the-scenes hospital stuff. That we yeah. don't need to talk about right now because I don't want to no, scandalize anyone. No spoilers. Who's for the first no spoilers. Time. We've had a couple of you say actually, like, "Hey, don't worry about spoilers. We think most of us have already seen it." To those of you who think that, we've had other of you say, "Thank you so much for not spoiling yeah. it. It is my first viewing." So, so we are going to stick to this. We are not going to spoil anything along our journey to the best of our abilities. Yes, to the best of our abilities. We may slip a tiny bit here or there, but we're very committed to it. Um, so, so let's talk about uh, you know Xander has a whole bunch of nightmares um i think xander's mm. xander's naked nightmare is like very fitting for what we've seen of xander's character so far right right that he wants to put out this i'm i'm a strong dude kind of a, a face but right, that right. he is very insecure about that and mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. of course that's embodied in him being naked yeah um, in front of everyone so that's a heartbreaking moment that being said Looking pretty good, Looking Xander. pretty good, Xander. Looking yeah. pretty good. Looking pretty good. He's he's very bulky. He's very he's, he's lifting yeah, some he's, weight. He's bigger than he looks in his flowered shirts. Yeah, and, and striped things. sweaters. Um, stepping just half a step back, right before, like right leading right into uh, Xander's naked in the classroom scene, mm-hmm. we see uh, three dudes in leather jackets, <laughs> and one of them is wearing sunglasses that I think we're meant to understand make him very cool, but they are well. His character name in the credits is, is way cool guy. Way cool guy. That is the character name, uh, and he's like talking some smack about how he's gonna like fight somebody who wants to fight him and even goes so far as to say this is about honor (laughs) i just i just wanted to touch on on all of those things that i just said because it really tickled it was yeah no it's a good scene and then his mom comes in and is like oh sweetie yeah pretty great Uh, every tough guy's every tough guy's nightmare right right uh so then stepping right back to where we were just a second ago, I think it's also important to note that the classroom in which Xander finds himself naked is the classroom taught by the lady teacher who mm. he was um, ogling. Yes, the day before or whatever. Right, right. Um, so yeah, so Xander, this is one of Xander's the nightmares. Compounded interest of shame. Yeah, yeah. But Xander has. It's like you know we've got Wendell has spiders and and like Willow has performance anxiety. Mm-hmm. But Xander has like fourteen nightmares. You know he has. He's naked. He has. He makes this comment early on when um, Willow's talking about <laughs> her fear of spiders, and he says like, "Well, it's not like they're. You know, I'd be more afraid if there were like Nazis crawling over my face." And it's like, right. "Whoa, whoa, man." How did we what just a specific? What a specific, what a specific fear. Um, I mean, a very valid fear. I'm certainly not going to take oh, yeah. that away from you. But we were talking about creepy crawlies, um, and he goes right here. And then later, when we're in his like, because I feel like they they give the characters sort of like a short nightmare and then an extended nightmare. The mm. the main characters, and in Xander's short nightmare, it's he's naked. But in his extended nightmare, it's Ooh. sort of this um, collection of things we see. I mean, we see like swastikas spray painted on the walls of uh-huh, this class uh-huh. of this wherever we are. Which, by the way, where are we? Just some nightmare hallway. Because there's this like plastic sheets hanging everywhere, which is also confusing. Yeah, I think they're just there to be spooky. There, yeah, and for the clown to like hack through. Right, right. Which is right. So the other piece of this is this clown. Well, huh. there's a, there and there's this um, Hansel and Gretel element to his right. nightmare, where there's a trail of not breadcrumbs but chocolate bars, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that that leads him to find. Finding this horrific clown that's trying to then kill him with a knife 
terrifying, but like this, like everything that we see about this character, right? The Xander, like we don't know a lot about Xander up until this point. Mm-hmm. And and that's why I love this is because we learn like, well, what's going on with like Xander and like his body image, right? He doesn't want to be naked. Part of his dream is eating all of this chocolate. Like what's happening there? Like what are we learning about him and his insecurities? Um, we already knew that Xander had a fear of clowns. I think that was something that was already um, established in a previous oh, was episode. It? I think so. I think I read that um, somewhere. I fe- he mentions it in another episode before this episode mm. that he's afraid of clowns. We'll we'll look it up. We'll find out. Okay. Um, but but you know th- there's so much to this to him. I, I think and then and then we've already talked about this. But then he faces the fear. Yeah. So Xander has like a really big episode. This episode, I yeah, think. Yeah. Um, and um, and then Buffy. Right. We've we've talked about some of Buffy's fears. Um, obviously, you know, her dad and divorce and all of that. But then this fear of being a vampire, which is just so real. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just had a moment of very heavy agreement. It is so real. And the way that it happens, like the way that the master sort of appears mm-hmm. in the graveyard and, and this says, is- I am free because you fear it. Yes. <laughs> Which is, I mean, of course, the that makes sense as like the core of a slayer's fear, right? Oh, yeah. Is that, oh, God, and that just, I got, just got all choked up remembering where we go with Giles next. Right. But, um, but, you know, that her, that she knows that it, because really that is it for her. If she is afraid, she will not be able to succeed. Like, Buffy has to be able to be strong and courageous because if she's not, then the the literal world will literally end. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so this is like, it's just huge. It's really complex. This is also the first time that the master and Buffy meet face to face right that's a big deal um i think Uh, yeah the first time they're seeing each other i mean do you think the master will remember this after the nightmare spell that's a and that's a confusing element of this episode is what will everybody remember right because what actually happened because billy doesn't remember right billy doesn't remember once billy wakes up he doesn't he remember. Doesn't he has is. this great Wizard of Oz moment. Right. Like you verbatim. Were there, and you were there. You were there and you were there. But he doesn't remember anything. But the rest of them do. They're very aware of why they're in the room. Right. Um, so they have a memory of it. And I also had like wondered, can everyone see Billy's like... Astral projection. Asteroid projection, as Buffy calls it. Um, But, like, can everyone see that? Like, because they all do. All the Scoobies see him. Right. But if there was only people who can help see him. Right. So, and I don't, you know, I don't think we ever get these answers. But, Mm -hmm. and that's some of maybe why this episode is a little clunky for you is that. Right. Not everything is explained, I guess. Yeah. We don't have a lot of, like, we can't fit all the pieces together for, like, a cohesive story Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the, like, the mythology of this and, like, how that works. Right. But, um, but yeah, so they meet face to face. I think we'll assume that they do remember this, um, for now because all of the rest of the gang remembers what, what has happened. Um, but then Giles, right? Cause, cause oh, we wind man. up, we wind up in the graveyard, which I love that moment because that's such a dream thing where you're like, you go through a bush and then you're in a totally different time of day and you're like, yeah, yeah, I don't so think this makes sense, but I guess it makes sense because it's real. Um, so they're in the graveyard and there's a, an open grave, which is another fear, which I, I one of the many things I read was that Sarah Michelle Geller had had a fear, a pre-existing fear of being buried alive. Really? So a lot of Ooh. the scenes filmed in the graveyard, um, you know, and, and with all the mausoleums and all that was actually quite you know overwhelming to her in parts oh, wow. because she she had this fear but yeah so so buffy is one of buffy's fears is being buried alive wow. um little quick shout out to the date discrepancy here oh yes yet another after we saw conflicting birth dates uh on her school record in i robot i robot eugene right where we had uh, a 1979 birthday and then a 1980 birthday yes here her tomes her tombstone says that she was born in 1981 a very good she year. just keeps getting younger and younger that Buffy Summers. I think it's because she lives in Southern California. That's yeah, what happens here. all that vitamin D. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so so this is Buffy's fear. But then, um, you know, because the master throws her into the, gra- into the grave. And buries her. And buries her alive. Um, and then Giles gets to the, the we, I can't, uh, we decided if it was a cemetery or a graveyard, but now I can't remember. What is it? I believe it's a cemetery. A cemetery. <laughs> 
Um, and, and he has this beautiful, Giles has this beautiful moment because they're like, whose fear is this? And he says, it's mine. I failed. It was my duty to protect you. And then he goes on to kind of say that like, if he had been more cautious, if he had Mm -hmm. trained her better, but he says, you were so gifted and the evil was so great. And it is like, holy shit. My, like my heart just like fell out of my body with this monologue for Giles because we know yeah. we know that Giles cares so deeply for Buffy and wants her to be safe but we haven't like we've seen it like embodied like we talked about that scene in which when he you know puts his hands into the like cauldron and conjures this magic for the first time and you can see that it's because he's so terrified for her so we've seen it before for sure but we've never like really heard him give such a direct voice to how much he cares about her and how scared he is that he might be the reason that right. she fails mm-hmm. which is just whew, it's a big deal feeling lots just of gave me like seven waves of goosebumps i know it's just very it's very emotional um it's very emotional um, and we're also very emotional these days. Too. Yeah, it's an emotional <laughs> so, time. We're we're primed for more feelings than usual. Yeah. Um, but but something that I do want to say about this episode too that kind of tapped into some of the ways that I have been feeling lately um, is the moment that Buffy has in we're in the hospital. Sorry, I'm, I may have jumped ahead. Do you have any more to say before we no, get no, to that? No, you're the, good. You're good. You're good. The final hospital scene, but we're we're in this final hospital scene, and Buffy is a vampire, and um, you know the the ugly man is that his Mm -hmm. his title the ugly man is coming down the hallway the world is sheer chaos there's giant bees flying around outside or whatever they are bees (laughs) are pretty funny (laughs) they are they're not not quite as scary as they may um may have been in real life um but she she looks at buffy goes into the hallway and she looks at the ugly man and she says um there are a lot of things scarier than you and i'm one of them and then yeah and she just like fucking launches at this at this guy and she has like it's like I think she has the strength of the Slayer here and the strength of a vampire. Yeah, um, sweet combo. Very sweet combo. Um, and I loved this moment. Contextually, this moment was very important to me. You know what? I'm fucking scarier than you. I have more power than you. Bye. Yeah. A very Buffy thing to mm-hmm. ultimately realize. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I think, the, of course, there's a lot of scoobiness in all of the episodes, but there's something mm. extra special Scooby about the ending of this episode. Yeah. So they're like, you know. There's like some really jaunty guitar music happening. Yeah, and and like, <laughs> and they're and they're dealing with this thing that's like very horrific. Like the reveal is that the the little league coach has beaten one of his his little players his little players Ugh. into a coma, which is like the reality of that is horrific and terrifying and so scary. And and they do deal with it. I mean, they, like they do deal with it in a real way. But in this last scene, there, there's like very, there's it's like a very gotcha moment. Yeah. Glad he's behind bars where he belongs. You can't believe that happened. Yeah. And they, Xander's like, well, you've obviously never played in a kiddie league because uh, <laughs> everybody's very violent and serious about the game. Yeah. They like, but they like catch him by the scruff of his oh, like yeah. coach coat. You yeah. know, they're like, gotcha this time, coach <laughs> ugly. Like, it's like very, it's just very like silly. Um, so I thought that was, I don't know, I thought that was funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also kind of, you know, calls back to why you had a little bit, I think a little bit of an issue with this because they 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 deal with the levity or they deal with the gravity of it, but then they also package it in some moments in this very light way. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, something I wanted to mention uh, back when, when Buffy met Billy, she like follows him after seeing him um, hanging around the school. She follows him into a gymnasium and we get a nice side view of his extreme 90s mushroom-shaped haircut, <laughs> which I really appreciate. Uh, and then the ugly man ultimately shows up while she's talking to him, and they run. And they run outside of the gym, and the gym has double doors mm-hmm. with, like, sort of uh, U-shaped handles. Mm-hmm. And Buffy, after saying, I can't fight him, he's too strong, slides a field hockey stick right. to bar the door. Like, yeah. He's too strong for me to fight, but this field hockey stick <laughs> will hold him for long enough for us to get away. Which yeah, doesn't really add But maybe up. by dream logic. That's true. Um, anything is possible in a dream. Yeah. Yeah. I also love the the very last moment, the sort of like little tie on this episode where 
Willow and Xander are left together. Oh, dear. And Willow says, like, so, but Xander, like, I know you're attracted to Buffy, but, like, when she was a vampire, like, you weren't still. And he's like, yeah, of course Gross. I. Uh, right. Uh. <laughs> I really, I, I enjoyed that. Because yeah, delightful. I don't know. I'm getting excited because we're really starting to see their their friendships too I, I, like they're yeah. getting more real to me yeah. these little moments that they have between you know that moment between Willow and Xander it's just like this really sweet moment because you know we know that Willow like had feelings for Xander but they're I don't know I just but their friendship is more important their friendship is more important and they're just getting um, more nuanced their their relationships are getting more nuanced and I mean we're in episode 10 there's only two episodes left of the first season oh my god like oh my god what is gonna happen um, Indeed, you don't know. I don't you really know. wonder. I really don't know what's going to happen, but um, but I do know that that like I do know what happens in season two and and their characters and how they get even more fleshed out. And I'm just mm-hmm. so excited because I see it starting to happen now. Yeah, yeah. I see it starting to like really gel. Um, Things are getting figured out, mm-hmm. coming into focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very exciting it's time in Sunnydale. So yeah, I mean, you can t- tell tell your friends Kristen Russo ranks Nightmares as uh, her second favorite episode so far in wow. season one. I know. I just I think I, I just really like to see. I like I like any episode like this where you really get to see um, the insides of a character because mm-hmm. I think there were these things that we're learning. They're going to surface throughout the rest of the series for sure. Um, so yeah. I don't know. You, you can Jenny. It's like ranking number eleven out of twelve on Jenny's no, list. No, <laughs> no. It, it has so much to offer us as season one viewers. Um, there are just some things that like stick in my craw or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's okay because nothing is perfect except for Angel the person and Angel the episode. Wow, you think Angel is perfect? No, that's a little bit of a. Obviously, he's very flawed, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I feel like, um, I'm glad this episode exists. I wish it was just, like, a little smoother. Mm-hmm. But, but there's a lot of value here. Yeah. And, um, and I'm glad it's, it's here in the number 10 of 12 slot. Wow. Two more to go. What is going to happen, everybody? It's so exciting. Woo! Can't wait to find out. I can't wait to, for you to find out and then to get to season two because... That's when the slide is really going to start to get Crisco'd, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Okay, so I guess that about does it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to us again today on this day of days, talking about this episode of Episodes. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, and when I'm not watching Buffy with Kristen, I'm usually writing and recording music. You can learn more about me at JennyOwenYoungs.com slash buffering, where I have taken the liberty of curating a little playlist just for you all, uh, where you can hear some of my non-Buffy-related music. And you can also give me a shout on Twitter, at Jenny Owen Youngs. I'm Kristen Russo, and you can find me over on Twitter at Kristen Nolene, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. When I'm not here talking to my lovely wife about vampires, demons, and all other sorts of dark matter, I work to bring... I work to bring advice, resources, and laughter to LGBTQ young people and their families over at everyoneisgay.com and mykidisgay.com. I urge you to share those resources with those in your life who may need them. Uh, They are very important and have become increasingly so in the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter at BufferingCast and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BufferingCast. You can shoot us an email if you like at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. Um, and if you like what we do, you can support our work by going over to BufferingTheVampireSlayer.com and clicking on the donate button. It is an awesome way to support us. But there are other ways to support us, too. You can go on over to iTunes and leave us a review, uh, hopefully a positive one. Those are the ones we're really after. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and also now you can go over to our store, which you can find on our website, or you can just go to bit.ly slash shop buffering and hook yourself or your loved ones up with some Slayerette or Cordette pins or our Buffering the Vampire Slayer t-shirt. And hey, don't forget, if you are in the New York metropolitan area, or you will be on December 18th, we will be doing our very first live show there on December 18th. 
Yeah, and if for more information, you can go on over to unionhallny.com. Uh, you can also get tickets over there. And, and just a reminder, we have sold a third of that room out already. So if you want to go, grab those tickets because we do think that it's going to sell out, which is which is pretty exciting for us. Yeah, very <laughs> exciting. So don't sleep on it. Yeah. Okay. Until next time. Uh, It's fucking us up It's gonna get worse unless he wakes up The ugly man's got a strong backhand Textbook spiders are giving us chills Will someone tell Laura that smoking can't kill Count one, two He's coming for you In your nightmares, nightmares A clown's chasing Xander with a really big Singing opera in a very bright spotlight The stuff of our dreams makes it harder to breathe How we ever gonna get, gonna get free from our Nightmares, nightmares, nightmares This is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.